I want a rumba and I want one now. Doesn't really work, does it? No, um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Latitude Festival 2022. I don't know why I said that. Many of you have been here for days. What I meant to say was welcome to this live recorded. Who the fuck is that? Turn it down! Have some respect! We're trying to do a podcast record here. The festival. There's really nothing quite like it. How are you guys doing? When you pick the right acts to see, it's musical nirvana. So if given the power of the festival gods to have absolutely any act you desire, alive or not, playing in that perfect spot at the perfect moment, who would you choose? MC5. Oh yeah. And Stidgers. Detroit Supernova. I just imagine this is the perfect one. It's going to be Burt Bacharach <gasps> and Friends. I was like, yes! It's such an anthem for yes! that, isn't it? If you're wearing a coat, you go take that coat off, baby, <laughs> and get wet up. Behold, the greatest day of our lives! Ah, yeah, let's go! Welcome to the lineup, you beautiful spirit of Eden. And we kept getting the call that she was going to come around and have a listen. So it was basically three days on this tune, sort of day and night, with occasional intense hoovering sessions. But she, uh, <laughs> she never turned up. Yeah, never came. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to this live version of The Lineup with me, Sean Keevener. It is a fantasy festival podcast. How many of you subscribe currently to The Lineup? Put your hands up. Look at that, Nat. Look at all those people. That's a, fe a feast of people who have been hitting that subscribe button immediately after this performance. Um, now, I usually do a long and laboured introduction to my guests, like a sort of prog rock keyboard solo of an introduction. But our actual very special guests have got to headline uh, in about an hour and a bit's time, and I don't want to make them late. So, here goes. They'll super style it out by the river or the lake. I see you, baby, shaking that ask. That was shit. So let's welcome to the lineup live and tease out the five fantasy festival headline acts of Tom and Andy Groove on going to be late on stage because this is going to overrun by oh. 45 minutes, which oh, would be awkward. <laughs> of course, I'm joking. No, the first thing we have to do is, is it, so the idea for the people that don't know is that, and, and apologies for wearing sunglasses indoors, but the prescription sunglasses, and it's the only way that I can read my notes. <laughs> I'm not being Bono, okay? <laughs> Though he does wear those for medical reasons, let's not forget that. Um, but for the people that don't know, it's a fantasy, a bit like one of those uh, fantasy dinner parties, you know, where you, you could invite absolutely anybody in the world. Living or dead, we need five acts, okay? But before we get into that, we need to name the festival. Now, it's a bit awkward for you because you've already got a fucking festival. <laughs> the Love Box Festival, of course. Yeah. So essentially what we're doing here is we're creating something and you're going to be in competition with yourself. Yeah. Which is a bit awkward. And we can maybe come back to that. One of the things I thought was if it was going to be a bit like a car and music related festival, it could be called Glove Box. <laughs> God, that was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's forget about the name for now. Let's think about where in the world would you like to put this fantasy festival? Crikey. Any thoughts? You're hard to beat Suffolk, aren't you, really? Looking around us. But um, I think a festival needs, or ide an ideal festival, needs a water frontage. A water frontage? Yeah, I think so. 
Uh, so um, I think the sort of sorry lower stuff. Yeah, you touched the words out of my mouth. I was, just, I was about to say, so the lower stuff. Yeah. I think perfect. Is, yeah, let's agree on that. Okay, let's. All right, we're putting lower stuff. Um, that was easy. I call it low esteem, but um, <laughs> of course I'm joking. Or, or uh, this is one of my producer Nat's suggestions. If it was in Madrid or Barcelona, we could call it the Spanish Armada. Lovely. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. But no. We could. Let's stick with well, lower stuff. Let's okay. lower stuff. Yeah. We'll yeah. stick with lower stuff. Okay. No, you you don't have to dream. As I've said, you you have got your own festival. Uh, love box and we'll come on to that a little bit later on the other thing by the way because we've got a limited amount of time uh, when I start gabbling off at the mouth a young gentleman called Elliot is going to come on stage and start dancing the Macarena and that's when we have to move on to the next act so don't be disturbed by that it's one perfect day this festival it starts early in the morning and it goes late into the night it's just one particular day and so here we are in beautiful Lowestoft the weather is gorgeous we can see the sea out for miles it's extremely exciting who is the first act that we are going to put on stage of your fantasy festival? Okay, uh, this is going to be a controversial one, I think. But it is our, it's our fantasy festival, so we can do what we you like, whatever, right? If you like. So, <laughs> so I think that um, it's a real guilty pleasure of, of mine, this one. But I, I'm going to stick Hall & Oates on. Hall. Yeah. yeah. To open the festival. I'm going to bring them over from California, wherever they are, from Sonoma Wine County, where they've been doing a gig, haul them into Lower Stuff and get them to play, like, <laughs> Abandoned Luncheonette, which is my favourite Hall & Outs record. Maybe we'll just do that, recreate that as for our opening set. What a brilliant idea. So, uh, would you get them to do the whole of Abandoned Luncheonette that like bands sometimes do? That would be good, and then they do. can throw in a few of the cheesy yeah, ones yeah, afterwards, yeah. yeah. A few of the cheesy ones. <laughs> She's gone like that. That, exactly. Beautiful. That, the, that was the full Daryl Hall, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, a brilliant idea. Andy, I think uh, this is a quote from yourself, this. When you've got a field with no rules, there's no limit to how bad the behaviour can be. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Let's face facts. Over the years, you've played many festivals, you've played many, many gigs, you've put on many festivals. What are the kind of most outrageous and egregious acts that you have w seen uh, people perform during those times? You know, hedonistic, scatological, anything that you could put on record here on the lineup? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I think um, we are really privileged, actually, to have uh, begun doing what we do in a pre-mobile phone era because that, uh, that ability to go off, you know, for three or four days and be totally free and where you are, and like, no one knows what you're doing. The, the scenes from the, that era in particular are ones that I'm very privileged to have, to have experienced. And that's, I don't think that's going to come back anytime soon, but we were there and it was a lot of fun. From what we can remember, it was a lot of fun. But th this is a good point. I mean, when you're putting on a festival, this is a fictional one, Lovebox very much in, in reality. How does that work? You must be dealing with some colossal egos a lot of the time. You've, you've hosted some of the biggest names in, in, in music. How do you deal with those huge egos? And do you, have you ever had times where you've had to give somebody a verbal slapdown? I remember Grandmaster Flash refusing to come out of his car for about an hour. I don't know why. How do you coax a Grandmaster Flash out of an air-conditioned vehicle? I love that idea. Come on, come on. Listen. Some, some catnip. It's yeah. <laughs> an incredible thought. Hall and Oates as yep. an opening act at the dawn chorus of this phenomenal festival, as yet unnamed, in, in Lowestoft. 
which is going to be incredible. So we move on to our next act. It's mid-morning, I suppose. It's getting a little bit warm now, as we've been experiencing over the last few days. Getting a little bit dusty. The sea air is beginning to crystallize a little bit. Hall and Oates have done a, a barnstorming set. They were quite happy with just a, a few onion barges from Waitrose, as it turns out. <laughs> no Who is our next act going to be? Well, no sooner has the stage been cleared and reset than um, Candy Staten walks on and sings Young Hearts Run Free. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> What's the sense in changing this one and only life? See, you don't need anybody else, do you? You've missed a trick not booking me. So, so Candy comes on. You've worked with Candy Staten no, before. No, we have. You see, that's the thing. And um, we've had some... Well, there's an amazing moment. We were, we were going to... Uh, well, we did play Lovebox with her. And we did a version um, of You Got the Love, obviously. And we, uh, we got down to the rehearsal room to, to rehearse this tune. This is, you know, Candy Stanton, one of the greatest vocalists of all time. And we started rehearsing and she was incredibly nervous. And it wasn't really working out. And, um, and so we asked everyone to just go and have a cup of tea. And I had this incredible 15 minutes while I was uh, in the room with Candy. And when I, I, my dad taught me all these old uh, traditional blues songs. So I just started playing these blues songs on the piano and she just started jamming and just relaxing a bit and going for it. But that was one of the greatest 15 minutes of my life. So even just for that, she had to come along. But since then, obviously, she's got that tune which has, you know, defined moments for generations of people. But Young Hearts Run Free is something that we've started playing now for the last sort of six, seven years in DJ sets anywhere, anytime, any generation. It's a transformational record. It's something, there's a great um, Radio 4 programme called Soul Music. I don't know if you've ever heard it. And they, and it, they basically just explore a particular song and, and, you know, what it means to so many different people. And there's a special, there's a, an edition of it about Young Hearts Run Free. And it's just such a beautiful story. I think she, it's, it's sort of a semi-autobiographical song for her, isn't it? Not that she wrote it, but I think the guy who wrote it sort of wrote it for her because she was in a, in a very bad marriage sort of thing. So... Must be cathartic for her every time she plays it. I would have thought. Yeah, and it's, I mean, she's just an amazing presence of a, of a woman, and um, like so many many of the people we've worked with, she's proof that there's, a, there's an inverse correlation between talent and bullshit. Yeah. You know? And um, I'll leave you to work out that correlation <laughs> and inverse it. Well, I've but, got yeah, nine so. bodyguards outside, so <laughs> you work you work that one out. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. I mean, we should talk about, there's so much to talk about, in particular, like that, you, working with Candy. You've worked with, like your version of Back to My Roots with Richie Havens at Brixton is just one of the most fucking brilliant versions. I mean, I love that song anyway, and Lamont Dozier, I think, did it first. That's right, it? yeah. Which is a great version. But yours is like, 
it's a faster tempo. Yeah. And then and you've got Richie Haven singing on it, for Christ's <laughs> sake. I mean, how do you get to work? What's your approach to approaching talent? Do you just call them, text them, sky right over their Hollywood mansion? How do you get them to do work with you? Yeah, I mean, that that goes back to the end of an album we did called Goodbye Country, Hello Nightclub. And that, that's got Nile Rodgers on that as well. Uh, and that was, again, like that's probably pre-mobile phone days, right? We did that record. So actually with that one was... Uh, going up to like, like a red phone box and ringing his manager. It was like bizarre. And uh, yeah, just sending the stuff. And he, I think sometimes you just got to kind of have the kind of belief in yourself that these people, they're excited about the idea of connecting with younger people, which at that time we were. I'm not sure that really counts now, but <laughs> it was then. And yeah, it was amazing. We sent off a couple of what were dats then and he sent them back. But that version, going back to my roots, so he does a version of that, yeah. which predates our version, yeah. which is like almost like a house record. I really yeah. remember like, being 18, 19 in a field somewhere in Cambridge where, where I grew up, uh, having a really good time. And that, that tune came on and it was like one of the moments of my life, you know, and it, it, it kind of propelled me into wanting to make a career in music, really. Yeah. So then that come full circle and to be performing that with him. And he was, we came on the road with us. We did a... I mean, it's, we did a gig with him in um, in what the Twin Towers, you know, like right before, like about two weeks before the whole thing came down. Good and God. it was incredibly emotional. He was telling us about how he used to play down in the kind of scaffolding down there where they were building it. It's an amazing guy. He had all these great stories. And he also had this sweet thing where um, he liked to have a cheeky cigarette and he'd hide it in his cowboy boots. And when his manager wasn't looking, he'd nip one out. So he was very, very human and like, a, but an amazing spirit. I mean, you know, uh, and yeah, it's a total privilege to, to have been around him. I mean, I say, how do you get these people to work with you? But there's that story that I love about um, Elton John and Matt Madonna in Heathrow Airport or something <laughs> like that, and they're arguing about who discovered you first. Yeah. Like, Madonna brought the Vertigo album, a CD out of a handbag or something. It was like to Elton, <laughs> look, I got it first. I'm, I was on these guys before you, Elton. Is that, is that not, that's not apocryphal. That really happened. Apparently that really happened, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a time when we were doing a remix for Madonna. Uh, and um, as always, we've always just ended up in little studios and cubby holes for some reason. We never got our act together on that front. So I had a little flat off Brick Lane at the time and we had a studio there and we were doing this remix for Madonna and we kept getting the call that she was going to come around and have a listen. So it was basically three days on this tune, sort of day and night, with occasional intense hoovering sessions. But she, uh, <laughs> she never turned up. Yeah, never came. <laughs> Borrowing hoovers from next door in case yeah. Madonna turns up. Um, I can see Eli doing the Macarena, which means that it's time for our next act. So yeah. we, it, it's, it's a beautiful soul start to this perfect festival. Hole and Oats, Candy Staten. Who is going? It's, it's about lunchtime as well. Just a Could bit after. Yeah. Who's taking the next act and who's well, it going to be? Am, but you've slightly ruined it. Uh, because, <laughs> I always do. Yeah, next up is Richie Havens. So See, I, did, I was going to do a spoiler alert when you started on that, but anyway. <laughs> it's, I, I, I ruin everything in the end, Andy. It's something you should know about me. At least, we, <laughs> at least we got there quite early on in the podcast. So what does Richie's music mean to you? Why, why is it that he, he speaks to your soul so much, do you think? I think there's, there's just an incredible power of humanity in him as a person and, and a, as a musician, which is in a a lot of contrast to the highly produced world which you live in on all aspects of society, really. And so I, I could just really picture him coming on, as he did to open Woodstock, of course, mm. one man and his guitar, and this incredible sort of impassioned energy, but then bridging from that, ending with the, the going back to my roots track, and it's that real kind of, you know, day into early evening moment. Yeah, when yeah. you hit going back to my roots, hopefully, if we can persuade him, 
He'll do the version that we did at Brixton, which ends with this kind of mad tribal yeah. pounding. <laughs> That's right. The, the, the congas, the bongos, it's all going on, isn't it? Your drummer is just on fire. It's yeah. all beautiful to hear that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be... I mean, yeah, you forget, I forget that, that he opened Woodstock. Yeah. Yes, Jesus yeah. wept. Did he yeah. ever talk to you about that kind of stuff? Yeah, we were on the bus with him for quite a long time. So, yeah, we got we got a lot of stories from Richie and, uh, you know, note to self, write them down next time. But... <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know that that Twin Towers moment was 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 a real piece yeah. of history for us. So yeah, you're not the only one. Uh, me and Keris Matthews in 2011 at the Glastonbury Festival uh, got ushered onto BB King's tour bus to interview him, and we got eight minutes, and it took five minutes to find the remote control to turn the football off. <laughs> True story that. We got three minutes with him. So BB, tell us, oh, it's time. Okay, um, <laughs> let's just talk a little bit about things like. Like the trombone, the, the, you know, the Groove Armada sound is like, you know, it's that kind of nexus between dance music and dance hall and a bit of dub and, and pop, pure pop music. But Andy's trombone, that sounds like a euphemism, and it's not, grow up, is <laughs> sliding in and out. It's, it's, it's one of the signature sounds. And I mean, I know that you... Tell us a little bit about that. And you, you mentioned your dad before and the blues and stuff. What, was it an idea at the beginning to use brass in, quite up front? In a, no, in I think a it's like way? almost everything in life is chance, isn't it? So I, I grew up playing the trombone because my dad did. I thought I wanted to be a jazz player. And then I went out and heard Sasha DJing and the rest is history. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, with that, it sort of worked its way into the Groove Armada thing just because we... Uh, we were DJing in the East End of London, which was still pretty derelict at that time. We got sent off to make some tunes to promote the parties that we were doing. For reasons that neither of us can remember, we ended up doing that in a country cottage in Ambleside, and I, I just do not know why that happened. <laughs> Amazing. But uh, we, we were there, and uh, we were getting our sort of waffles and boddingtons from the village shop, and there was this um, bowl of 50-pence CDs there. And on the top of it was sounds of, um, sounds of the 50s, and we thought there might be a little sample on there. On that was a tune by Patty Page called yeah. Old Cape Cod, which is the vocal yeah. out the river. Really nice chords. So back at the cottage, I was working the chords out, and I had a jazz gig coming up because at the time that was still my sort of living. So I had the trombone with me, so I was practicing over the top of these chords and played this little riff. And it's a standard old riff that me and my dad always used to play. And uh, we were like, that sounds, that sounds really nice, but we haven't got any microphones here. But there was a hi-fi in the cottage, and uh, anyone who's done uh, O-level physics, maybe not GCSE, will know that microphones and speakers are the same thing, but the other way around. So we, uh, we attached a guitar wire onto this speaker and recorded the trombone using the speaker um, as a demo, but it kind of sounded quite Louis Armstrong as a yeah. result and lo-fi, so, um, so that's the version that became the version. And then obviously that tune, once Zoe Ball played it and they got married to it and all the rest of it, that became such a big tune for us that the, um, the trombone was all of a sudden in a situation where you stand up in front of big festival crowds and you pull up <laughs> the most archaic of instruments and get a big cheer. It's Andy's trombone, everybody! <laughs> That's a remarkable story, and it's so Heath Robinson, the technology that you sort of took this hi-fi apart and yeah. recorded it like that. It's uh, incredible. Heath Robinson is about the best description of the last 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> just, you, you're just chancing it, but it seems to be working pretty well so far. But, I mean, we, 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 obviously we'll move on to the next act pretty soon, and you're going to decide on a joint headliner. But um, we should think a little bit about food as well. 
because it is about lunchtime. What is the perfect festival food, do you think, to serve up to people at this incredible festival that you put on? Oh, good question. I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a bit of a barbecue head, so it's going to have to be something like that. But, you know, I've done it in a modern, funky way. There's a guy we know called Richard Turner. He does all that oh, Hawksmoor stuff. We hang yeah. around with him. He's fun. So I think we'd get him in to do one of his Hawksmoor barbecues. That would that be nice. You know, we could nice. do yeah. maybe a whole pig. I know, but for vegetarians, we'd do some other options too. But, yeah, <laughs> something like we that. We could do a tofu pig. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's what we'll do, a tofu I'd pig. I'd love to see a tofu pig. Yeah. Lowestoft is renowned for its soybean cultivation, so it's all local. <laughs> Lower stuff's big on that, isn't it? Yeah. Let's move on to the next act, actually, because we, we don't want to we, we don't want to make you late, ironically, for your own festival appearance. That would be utterly ridiculous. This is kind of the sunset moment. This. So just before we get to who it is, who's at this beautiful Foot Perfect Festival? Who, who would be in your crew? I mean, would it be family? Would it be friends? Who would it be? And you, I'd like you to interject a few either fictional or living or dead rock star type characters into that, that okay. group as well, if you can. Well, I mean, definitely all the crew that we've been around with the band, you know, we've had the same technical backline crew pretty much the last 20 years, and they are practically family. So it would be rude not to invite them. They'll all be treble A's, they can do whatever they like. Free bar for a lot of them. Same for the band. Um, Brian Ferry's got to be there. I mean, I, we're name-dropping horribly during this thing. Well, you but can't help it. Are these another guy with all these but people? But he's so smooth, so he could maybe do, he could maybe work the uh, backstage bar as a kind of... He could of, do the uh, cocktails in, yeah. his, in his sort of white <laughs> dinner, <laughs> dinner jacket. Yeah, that'd be perfect, uh, yeah. I always imagine him talking like this, <laughs> but that's Prince Charles, obviously. <laughs> he's actually a Geordie, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, fucking yeah. hell, like. As you've mentioned him, that's a good a good point to we must bring that up because had he not done all that much collaborating at the point where you worked with him was, was that another one where you had to sort of no. tease him into it a we really bit? had to tease him in like multiple curries lots curries. of meals he loves a curry yeah uh, we had a couple of them and he, he, he takes ages to work so this track that he worked on was a track called Shameless that's on a album we do called Black Light and it took like six months the genesis of that seven months and he go into his studio every now and he has a studio called Jericho Studios which I think is where he grew up in Newcastle and I'd sit in there and he'd be playing me all this old Roxy music stuff and I'd be like this is ridiculous you're asking my opinion about what Brian Ferry's doing but at the same time thinking have you finished our track yet but, uh, <laughs> but yeah we got that and that Shameless is a really beautiful piece of music it's, it's peak Ferry very kind of sexy mellifluous delivery it's a real great track and um, we still kind of stayed in touch with him afterwards and we still bump into him from time to time he seems like a, a really mercurial character to me yeah. because he, like you say, he's, he's from the northeast. But in my head, he's he's kind of a he's a posh bloke. Yeah. And he's, but he's not. He is and he isn't. And he's he's incredibly cool. He's sort of, I mean, Roxy Music were the template for so many things yeah. from the 70s onwards, weren't yeah. they? It was them yeah. and Bowie, really. Sure. I mean. I remember standing pretty much next to him watching Mogwai in Newcastle once. He was wearing a massive, told this story before, a massive parka, floor-to-ceiling parka. And he just turned around and went, it's very loud, isn't it? It's Prince Charles again. <laughs> it was Prince Charles, sorry, in the parka. It wasn't. I always get those two mixed up. Um, as do we all. And I've got to bring this up as well. You're, about, you're going to hit the stage momentarily and you're going to tear the roof off and it's going to be incredible. Any spoilers, anything that you want to reveal about the set? Have you got any 
special guests or anything like that or, or special moments that, or you just want to keep They're it all getting ready for low stuff so it's, it's just going to be us two this evening I'm afraid but yeah no but it is going to be a, it is going to be a, 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 a tour of the last 25 years we're not going to just play all the, the modern weird stuff don't worry but this is this kind of it for you guys are you, are you drawing a, a line here is this really going to happen I think so, yeah. I mean, it's not quite it. I mean, we've got another weekend and then we're going to go to Australia, hopefully in November. But then that, this is the end of the cycle for us as, as a live band, yeah. It just felt the right time, you know, like kind of 25 years, still performing relatively well, I'd like to say. I'm still proud of the gigs that we put out. We're not limping on or off stage yet. So it just feels like the right moment. Andy's, you know, very busy with his other activities and farming and I'm working as a, a therapist. So we've got other stuff going on, but we'll still DJ, still make music. And, you know, and if any of us is like 10 million and we'll come out of retirement in 10 years time. 10 million, yeah. Yeah, that's all it's going to take. A couple of people <laughs> scribbling that amount down on the back of the beer mat. <laughs> 10 million, that's cheaper than I was expecting. I was going to go in higher than that. Um, and you, you mentioned it a bit there. I mean, Andy, if I'm not mistaken, you, you're a sort of, um, you're a bit of a farming legend in France. <laughs> you, didn't you receive the equivalent of a king knighthood in France for your services to agriculture? I did, uh, <laughs> awarded through um, slightly gritted seeds from the French agriculture minister, but yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like giving prizes to English guys, do they, I don't think. Um, and, and, and you, Tom, so do you think that the therapy, I mean, a, a reductive question in a way, but do you think you've had a bit of training in working with people in difficult mind states, who, in, in difficulties, by working with rock stars, by working, by running Love Box, by getting all this talent, Marshall? Do you think that sort of put you in a in a bit of an advantage position as far as working in your field? Yeah, I think it, it... Well, obviously, yes. But I think it's also just about the way that you manage pressure and the manage you manage stress and anxiety in your life. And we have plenty of that. Uh, and, you know, that's good. You know, anxiety can be an exciting thing. And so it's just about how you find your way around all that. So, yeah, and definitely, like, you know, that, that's been something that I've got a lot better at doing. I don't really get anxious anymore. I really enjoy the shows, but it's taken me about 15 years to get to that point. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think it's been a, a really great grounding for it, you know, and, and uh, you know, you gain a lot of perspective when you do stuff like this. Yeah. Too much perspective, as they said in Spinal Tap, <laughs> didn't they? I think they were right. Um, okay, well, let's see here. We are... We must be there, there or there about. We, we've got... We, who, who are we playing at the sunset moment? Who's the, who's the band? Well, we've got two, I think. So the, the next two are both going to be joint choices, I think. So we're going to do, like... This will be, like, a sunset end of set and then we're going to have an after party because obviously yeah. we're DJs so of I mean, the say it's an obvious one but it's, a, it's Prince it has to be Prince and, uh, and you know they, the thing about that is it almost feels possible so I was looking it up I don't know if you know but in 2011 Prince played Hop Farm do you remember that festival? Yeah. he just rocked up at were Hop Farm so like this if you do Hop there. Farm we'd get him down to Lowestoff you would have even got him to, for Lowestoff yeah. Live yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so, I mean, he's yeah. dead but I mean, that, but, but you could have easily got him. I mean, yeah. you could have got him on Lovebox, uh, probably. Well, we tried. Did you? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we knew the guy that booked him for Hot Farm, but it, he's just obviously a man who moved in extremely mysterious ways. Yeah. But uh, he, we never gave up that dream of hoping that might happen. But, uh, but for now we've got a fancy festival. He's there, and he's the guy that's going to bring it home, yeah. My God. That, I mean, I think Prince is one of the, the legendary artists that comes up perhaps most often. Why is that? What, what is it about Prince that makes him the musician's musician in a way, do you think? I mean, I think it's, you know, like it, 
the, the, the kind of the breadth of his work, you know, that raw funk that he did in those early records, there's those great records like Dirty Minds, where he's in those little black pants, just looking amazing. And then you go through to Sign of the Times, which is a, you know, incredibly beautifully produced record, you know, and, uh, and then there's a performer, he's just second to none, isn't he? I mean, yeah. He can play every instrument you can imagine, and he just nails it every time. One of those guys that goes on stage, doesn't even seem to have a set list, he just yeah. calls out the tracks he feels like playing. And then he's like doing those amazing little sets, you remember in London for about yeah. a couple of weeks, yeah. he's just popping up in funny places. So I think it's the ability to be an amazing recording artist, but then to deliver live, and he's just got everything, and yeah. just says he's he would be my fantasy all the way, yeah. To be able to play a Hendrixian guitar solo in very high heels and tight leather black pants. I mean, I've tried it. <laughs> How did it go? Not too well. Not too no. well. But that's, a, that's another question I must ask, really, before we let you go, and it becomes a hostage situation, and the manager comes on and wrestles me away. But you've been on stage with so many different acts. You, you've played so many festivals. In fact, I, I, I lost about an hour. You, you've got these websites now that work where it tells you just about every every gig that a band has ever played. Have you, I don't know if you ever looked no, at yours. Look. It's all there. I don't know how much you remember. I wouldn't have been able to remember hardly any of it. But do you do you... Is there a, an artist that you've seen at the side of the stage and thought, fucking hell, I wish I was that guy, I wish I was that person? Because you seem to have it pretty good in Groove Armada. You can do whatever you want. You've got freedom, musical freedom. But is there anybody that you were particularly envious of and thought, oh, I'd love to bet that? First thing that comes to mind uh, is we did, a, we did a gig in New York. Uh, we were invited by, by Elton John, in fact, to do this gig for the... Uh, Andy Warhol, what was it? Yeah, what plastic, was that magazine called? Paper magazine. Yeah, yeah. paper. Yeah, and uh, so it's in this little theatre, and um, and again the uh, bullshit talent correlation was in full effect because there was these various other artists sort of who were having their, their little moment in the spotlight at the time, uh, surrounded by so many bodyguards you couldn't get up the stairs. Then there was Elton just strolling about, and just being super cool. And uh, we actually had a. A really difficult gig because it was obviously high pressure, high octane, and um, and one of the keyboards started making a, a fire engine noise. <laughs> so there's this quite sort of odd scene where uh, where Jamie, our, our longest standing uh, squad member, was right front and centre amongst this in incredibly sort of hipster New York crowd fiddling about with the kind of kettle lead on this fire engine <laughs> thing. So it didn't go too well. But after that, uh, we were standing in the side of the stage when. Elton came on and it was just him and a piano and it was just very humbling yeah. that this, this, this guy just sat there just filled the room in every way like yeah. as a person musically it was just a different level of everything we've got to get I mean Elton's got to do something at, the, at Lowestoft Live hasn't yeah. he I think we I can serve cocktails with Brian, that'd be great. That's it. Oh, we'll play the piano in the, in the bar. That, what a brilliant idea that is, Tom. So, <laughs> so you know, you've got, you've got Hall & Oates, you've got Candy Statton, you've got Richie Havens, you've got Prince, you've got, you've got a Groove Armada after show. Um, and at the after show, you've got Brian Ferry in a white dinner jacket serving <laughs> cocktails while Elton John plays the fucking piano. Yeah. It's got to be a sellout, that. hasn't it? Sure. It's got to be a sellout. <laughs> That's what they're doing next, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So look forward to it. You heard it here first. Lower stuff live um, with Andy and Tom from Groove Armada. What have an absolutely incredible set tonight. I know it's going to go off and it's going to be fantastic. Where are you at now? Are you excited? Are you nervous? Where are we at? That sort of, you know, the perfect pre-gig flutter stage. You know, <laughs> you never lose that. You know, it's that thing where you know, you're standing on stage as we will be shortly with your mates. The lights go down and there's that noise. And if you could bottle that feeling, you'd sell a lot of it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Any final words, boys, before we let you go? 
No, I mean, it's been lovely having you. I mean, we would, the one thing was, I would like to have a DJ. Is that all right? Look, just have a DJ back there, just oh, very quick. I just wanted to have Larry Levan on the lineup because he's oh. a guy that I never saw and I always wanted to be yeah. around in that period, that late 70s, early 80s New York. So if we could just shoe him or chew on him into the lineup, that would be a dream come true for me. Maybe he could do a f he could spin a few between the sets. That would be quite nice. That's nice. Yeah. And then when Elton goes for a cocktail, then Larry he can, can carry jump on. on. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, what can I say except it's been a real pleasure. I'm glad I Thank caught you guys. Guys, Andy and Tom, Groove Armada, massive round of applause. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, guys. Thanks for missing what you've been missing. Have a great rest of the weekend. Subscribe to the lineup.